Hello and welcome to Asbury Sermon Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. You're about to hear a sermon that was preached in the context of a worship service at Asbury Free Methodist Church in beautiful Perth, Ontario. We trust that it will help you move closer to Jesus. So without further ado, welcome to Asbury Sermons. Turn that on. Oh man, it is, uh, it's good to be here with my brother Brent. It's good to be with all of you uh, this morning. Uh, it's an honor and privilege to be with my Asbury Free Methodist family to share a bit about intercultural missions, about the Free Methodist mission uh, across Canada and around the world. And, and this, this opportunity has been kind of a long time coming. Brent and I have been talking about this for quite some time, uh, so it's really great to actually be here with you in the flesh. I actually see uh, quite a few familiar faces, uh, whether that's Wesleyan Days or Silver Lake, friends and family, it's wonderful to be with you. Uh, and really, I have to be honest, I've, I've been looking forward to it because I've heard some really encouraging and wonderful uh, things. Uh, I know that God has been, been using many of you or all of you uh, through your youth ministry to uh, have a real impact in your town. I've also heard multiple stories about your long-lasting relationship um, and mission with the Free Methodist Church in Cuba, and that's really exciting and incredible stories, um, and just a chance to see clearly that God is using all of you to bless others both near uh, and far. But I really want to just take a moment just to, in case you weren't aware, just to remind all of you how incredibly blessed you are to have Brent Russett as your pastor. Um, as, as Brent mentioned, he and I go way, way back. In fact, Brent and I technically are family. His, uh, my mother-in-law is his cousin. Uh, but we have all sorts of connections, uh, have worked alongside one another many times over the years. Um, in fact, we go so far back that I knew Brent before I was a pastor. That's how long I've been in ministry, and that's how old he is. Um, but uh, besides that, uh, I, I just want to be honest with all of you. Pastor Brent has been instrumental uh, in my life, my development and formation as a pastor, going back to our Wesleyan days. Um, Brent's just one of those big brothers that just would pull me and invite me into leadership roles in a myriad of ways. And I just want to take a moment and say thank you, Brent. Uh, I love you, man. You, you, you mean the world to me. And I just hope um, you just know how incredibly blessed you all are to have Brent Russett as your pastor. I mean, there's no, one, uh, there's no one in my life that when things are chaotic or feeling uncertain, I really don't know anyone else in my life who can cut through all of that with like six words, with incredible wisdom and discernment and just and speak through it all with just a few words. So, uh, so thank you, Brent, and, and you are blessed. And, and I am blessed to, uh, to be with you here today because he's asked me to come and share with all of you the thing that I am most passionate about, and that's God's mission. God's mission. You a fan of God's mission? Are you aware of God's mission? Do you know about the arc of the eternal narrative and the invitation that you and I have to be active participants in God's story? To bring about the fulfillment of our author's original intent for the whole created order you know about this? Back in my seminary days, when I used to use fancy Latin words to make a point, I, uh, I used to say that the Missio Dei is the Imago Dei. The Missio Dei, the mission of God, is the Imago Dei, the image of God. The mission of God is the image of God, because since the very 
beginning, God's mission has been to heal and harmonize the image of God, his image in us, so that all people everywhere, so that the whole created order might be restored and find fulfillment in him. Amen? Amen? So getting back to that original intent, recognizing the image of God in all people everywhere and discovering the power and the presence of Jesus Christ incarnate in all cultures near and far and accepting our responsibility in it. Well, my brothers and sisters, there's nothing I'm more excited about. And so this morning, I want to invite you and help you see this common thread through all of Scripture. I want, to, I want to help you see and recognize the Imago Dei as the Missio Dei. I want to help you see that in Scripture from beginning to end, intercultural missions is central and essential to the story of salvation. And those two words together are important because we can't just talk about our intercultural realities today, and we can't just talk about missions as we used to know and refer to it. We have to talk about our intercultural missions because you and I, we are missionaries right where we are. Amen? We are missionaries. We are called and commissioned, and so therefore, we need to see in Scripture what has already and always been there. From cover to cover, intercultural missions is central and essential. And so this morning, we're going to hop, skip, and jump our way across Scripture, and we're going to begin with a passage in Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 to 9. I'm going to invite uh, Nancy to come and, uh, and share with us our first passage from Genesis 11. <clears throat> you can go back one. So Genesis 11, 9 to 1 to 9. Yes, please. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Thank you very much. Let's go to that, that next slide there. Genesis 11, verse 4. Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So here's a question. What's the big deal about a name? What's God got against us making a name for ourselves? Well, in the ancient world, especially in ancient literature, a name means everything. A name is your identity. It tells us who you are, what you've accomplished, what 
experiences you've had and where you come from. And at this point in the story, at this point in the book of Genesis, our identity as a people, as a species, had never been in question because this isn't a story about us. This is a story about God, about Yahweh, about Elohim, right? In this story, we are his creation. We are his children. He is our heavenly father, and therefore life is to be considered a gift, and we are invited to consider ourselves as grateful participants, which means that if all of a sudden we have this strange desire to move eastward in the story, which is to say to move even farther east away from the Garden of Eden, our original home, and we suddenly have this strange desire to make a name for ourselves, then this is a problem. This is a major conflict and the point in the story. Because our name, our identity, was never intended to come from ourselves. Our name was always intended to come from God. So that's the first conflict or concern here. But what about this, this scattering business? What's the problem with wanting to keep things safe and central? What does God not like about us wanting to keep things localized and close to home? Well, let me put it this way. If life is to be considered a gift in our identity, our name comes from who has made us, then our why, our life's mission and purpose, should also come from him. And at this point in the story, at this point in the book of Genesis, our why has actually been made quite clear. A couple passages for us. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. God blessed the man and woman and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. And then after the flood passage, we, hear, we say, As for you, be fruitful, increase in number, multiply on the earth and increase upon it. So when God's story started and when it began again, we found our identity in him, and we were told that our mission and purpose was to be fruitful and multiply, to increase and spread out throughout the known world. But when we come to the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11, suddenly we find ourselves much more interested in staying put and making a name for ourselves. Suddenly we find ourselves in an unexpected conflict and point of crisis. Considering this conflict and crisis in the story, scholar Walter Brueggemann, he puts it this way. He said, the people of Babel do not wish to spread abroad, but want to stay in their own safe mode of homogeneity. Thus, the tower and city are attempts at self-serving unity, which resists God's scattering activity. And all of this, everything up until this point, from God's insistence that we scatter to our insistence that we stay put, all of it can be metaphorically summarized here in the story in Genesis chapter 11 with the use of bricks and stones. Bricks and stones. Because in the story of Scripture, God gives us stones, but we make bricks. Which means what? Well, typically, bricks, they're placed together, they form walls. Walls which keep some people in and other people out. Bricks, when they're made, they're all uniform. They're all homogenous. And in general, bricks eliminate movement. And I know it's not a perfect analogy, but in contrast to a brick, what is it that we can say about a stone or a rock? Well, a rock's a part of creation. It's a natural resource. And in order to accumulate or find enough rocks, we have to move pretty far and wide. And when we find them and gather enough, we discover that no two stones are alike. 
Rocks are never identical. And so in this story, we have bricks which decrease mobility and are homogenous or uniform in nature, and we have stones which increase mobility and never look the same. You see, because here in Genesis chapter 11, there's a sharp contrast. There's this conflict between bricks and stones, between the vocation that God has given the human species and the vocation we have chosen and choose again and again for ourselves. You see, because God's story was never meant to stay in one place. God's story was never given for one people, one culture, one language. Yes, God had a chosen people, but those people, the Israelites, were messengers. Because the God of Israel is the God who always says, go. Go, I send you. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Multiply and increase upon the earth. Discover the stones, the rocks, the differences I have prepared for you in every corner of the globe. Become and encounter a people different than yourselves. See that I am a God of diversity and unity. A God who is one and who is many. Father, Son, and Spirit. You see, because this isn't our story, right? This is God's story. Our life, our existence is a story about God, the God of creation, the God of mission, the God who scatters us and sends us. I might even put it this way. This is a story about the God who confuses our languages and never resolves them. The God who confuses our languages and never resolves them. To that point, flash forward with me a few thousand years to the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And what do we see there? In the first 12 verses of Acts 2, we see Jews from every nation under heaven hearing the wonders of God declared in their own tongues. Not one tongue, not one language, but in their own language, every language. I'm going to ask Pastor Brent to come and read for us Acts 2, 1 to 12. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, and Cappadocia, Pontius and Asia, uh, Figuria and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? On the day of Pentecost, as those devout to the Jewish faith, gathered together to pray. There was this 
sudden gust of wind and from an upper room or some scholars even suggest from atop the southern stairs of the temple courts there appeared this flicker of flame and from atop those stairs everyone could hear voices at least a dozen or more voices all speaking at once but all speaking in different languages and as the people there gathered listened and began to interpret they realized that all these different languages from all around the world were all saying the exact same thing which were words of praise unto God and so they asked why is this happening how is this happening what does this all mean and for us as recipients of scripture if we've been following along if we've followed the story of acts from the beginning we should realize that back in chapter one we were already given an explanation so let me read that explanation for us acts chapter one verses three to eight during the 40 days after jesus suffered and died he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of god once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Which means that based on Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, the reason all of this occurred, the reason this particular day of Pentecost was so historic, was because of what Jesus had said himself. That the Holy Spirit would be given so that his mission god's mission could be fulfilled so that god's mission could become our co-commission co or the great commission you see because this is what the holy spirit does this is the first reason the primary purpose of the holy spirit to fill us and fuel us and equip us for mission so that we might be his witnesses I don't know about you, but for me, growing up in the church, I rarely have ever heard the Holy Spirit described in such a way. Holy Spirit, more often than not, referred to as a private and personal experience, an inner working of change and transformation, which it is, and it is what he does. But in Scripture, and according to the words of Jesus, the first purpose, primary function of the Holy Spirit is to fuel us and fill us and equip us for mission that we might be his witnesses. And if we read Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, it's pretty obvious. The connections are clear. Jesus says, go throughout all the world, be my witnesses in every city, culture, and country. Then a few days later, the Holy Spirit empowers the disciples to speak every language and every tongue. And then in every chapter after that, the disciples are found traveling throughout the known world, making and multiplying disciples. All right, one more. Flash forward with me to Revelation chapter 21 and the final picture and promise of Scripture in which we see the new Jerusalem, the holy city, our final home, coming down, taking up residence here in a renewed heaven and a renewed earth. Revelation 21, 
verses 22 to 27. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Even when it comes to the final revelation of Jesus Christ, even when it comes to the book of Revelation, which is a book of open doors, open scrolls, open seals, an open temple, and an open throne room, even here we're given a final picture and promise of every nation, tribe, and tongue entering the new Jerusalem with their own diverse and distinct forms of praise. A final picture and promise of every sent and scattered culture returning home, gathering together, so that we might all stand equally, uniquely, and united around the throne of the Lamb. Amen. Let me say that again. A final picture and promise of every sent and scattered culture returning home, gathering together, so that we might all stand equally, uniquely, and united around the throne of the Lamb. Brothers and sisters, the only question is, is this the picture and promise we are seeking to fulfill today? Is this the mission and the vision we are praying for and aiming for? As a people called and commissioned by Jesus Christ, as recipients and those responsible for sharing this story, does Asbury Free Methodist church reflect this truth is this the story you share and can be seen in you before you even say a word because i'll say this sometimes it feels like many of us are grossly unequipped for heaven we are not prepared for the beautiful diversity and unity that we are being called into and be a part of today. And so for us, as a free Methodist family, this is why, you can go to the last slide, this is why the IET, the Intercultural Engagement Team, this is why we exist, because the Free Methodist Church in Canada is inviting every congregation to discern and to discover your unique call to intercultural missions. Because from cover to cover, from beginning to end in Scripture, intercultural missions is central and essential to the story of salvation. And so this is why, as free Methodists, we are encouraging congregations across Canada to be equipped to welcome newcomers into this country, to sponsor refugees, as we've been doing as a denomination for 26 years sponsoring and welcoming newcomers to this land. Why we're also encouraging congregations to reach out to international students who are already here so that we might be a people marked by the radical hospitality of Jesus Christ.
This is why uh, we are encouraging our Free Methodist churches across Canada to be equipped and to take the steps to reach out in relationship to our First Nations, to our indigenous brothers and sisters, to be humble allies in the work and take responsibility for truth and reconciliation, and to discover what the Holy Spirit wants to do with us and through us right there. This is something as a movement we've been doing, uh, taking significant steps over the last several years, seeking out in right relationship with our indigenous brothers and sisters, both followers of Jesus and others, and just seeing what the Holy Spirit wants to do through those relationships to lead us toward truth and reconciliation. And I got to tell you, as someone who gets to facilitate a lot of this and bear witness to this, it's pretty incredible the revival that you can be a part of and experience yourself if you just come alongside and allow God to do his thing through indigenous people, neighbors, and culture. Because that's the history of this thing, and you all know it, but the history of the thing is that it simply is this. Only now are many of our indigenous brothers and sisters being given the freedom and the opportunity to encounter Christ through their culture for the very first time. And when that happens, when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of that, I'm telling you, incredible change and transformation happens. And it's exciting to be a part of that as a free Methodist church and to invite our churches to take those steps. And finally, with this call, this mission, and the vision, we're also, of course, in encouraging and inviting our churches to form global partnerships to support the work of the local church overseas through organizations like ICCM and Tier Fund and our, our unique mission districts in both Ghana and Sri Lanka. And of course, you guys are, are doing this with a beautiful testimony in your long-lasting relationship with Cuba. But we also want to recognize that God still calls international missionaries. Now, you and I, we are missionaries right here, our front doorstep. We also recognize that there are international missionaries sent here to Canada, and God still calls some of you to be international missionaries sent elsewhere. And if God ignite, ignites that idea, that prompting, that idea, that curiosity, let me just say, please don't ignore it. Pursue it in prayer. Pursue it in counsel with your pastor, your leaders, and your friends. See in what way God might be uniquely calling you to intercultural missions, whether here in Canada or around the world. And I also have to just say that all of this work, all of our work for the Free Methodist Church across Canada and overseas, and my, my work serving to lead the team and overseeing the work, I just, it's only made possible through our giving stream. The Intercultural Missions Giving Stream is our only source of support. And of course, I also want to say a big thank you because Asbury Free Methodist has taken a step this year and to support us and the work, support me in this work. And so I want to say thank you for that and your faithfulness in this. Um, it has been a very challenging year. There's been so much fruitfulness in our ministry. But when it comes to financial partnerships and our, our budget goals, it has been a struggle. And we are seeing what God wants to do with that. So churches like you taking these steps, we really sincerely appreciate that because we want to continue to bear witness to what God has called us to across Canada around the world. So if any of this is of interest to you further beyond what I'm saying this morning, uh, there are a few ways by which you can, uh, you can keep up with us. There's the website, fmcic.ca slash missions. We've got a Facebook group, Intercultural Engagement Team. Uh, we're providing resources, stories, uh, and opportunities up there every week uh, through social media. And then as uh, every quarter, 
and I'm sure you, Pastor Brent and your delegates do a, a fantastic job of making these available, but every, every uh, few months, these land in your pastor's inbox, uh, in your delegate's inbox, just a few captions and stories of things we're celebrating. Uh, so our highlights poster every few months. Uh, feel free to ask for copies of that uh, if you haven't seen that before. Um, but just thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to share with you this work and what our Free Methodist family is up to and what we are doing to, to be faithful to the call God has placed upon our lives. And again, if any of this has really struck a chord or ignited your imagination, please don't ignore that. Please talk with me today, talk with your pastor, pray about it, and see what God might have in store for you. So let me just, uh, let me just close in prayer. Lord Jesus, this is your story. This is your mission. And we, Lord, are your disciples. Heavenly Father, we are your children. And we don't want to take for granted, Lord, your gift of salvation. We don't want to take for granted, Lord, the very works that you have created us for. To reflect your beautiful divine mosaic and diversity. And to see that fulfilled the family of faith and through loving our neighbors and calling them to bear witness to your resurrection, your hope, your promise for all of humanity. So Father, we just pause and open ourselves up to you. Holy Spirit, come, fill us, renew us, ignite our imaginations, help us to see and hear the world around us through your eyes and ears. Lord, where we never thought there was a possibility to bear witness, to cross cultural borders or boundaries, show us, Lord, give us the courage and the bravery to reach out in relationship and to be a presence, to bear witness. Help us, Lord, what it means to follow you faithfully, to serve you in your mission. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be a part of this incredible story. And we surrender ourselves to you once again. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.